Welcome to week two of Travel Light. We've been in this series together. The reason we're doing this series is sometimes things get heavy through this season. And it's because uh, it's not just retail that's revving up. We're kind of revving up around this season. And I don't know if your experience is like this, but for many people, this season actually amplifies some of the heaviness or maybe even pain. And so we're dealing with those heavy burdens that we carry. What do we do? Well, perhaps some of those heavy things that we carry are never intended by God for us to carry. So we're trying to figure out how to let some of those burdens drop so that we can travel light. If you weren't here last week, we started with letting stuff go or letting go of stuff. And today we're going to be talking about letting go of distraction. Before we get there, just let you know where we're going with this all through December. Then we're going to talk about letting go of bitterness next week. And then letting go of control. And then on the last Sunday of the year, letting go of your past. So those are the things we're looking forward to learning about, how to lighten the load, drop the baggage, and follow closely with God and and allow the life just to be elevated a little bit and joy to... Uh, come from God a little bit more. So, letting go of distractions, that we're, that's what we're working on today, and I just want to jump right in, and I want to say point number one, have a Merry Christmas. Have a Merry Christmas. But I want you to notice, I didn't spell Merry the way you would in a card. In a card, you say, have a Merry, M-E-R-R-Y Christmas. I spelled it, have a Merry, as in the person Christmas, but then you have to, especially around Christmas, have to talk about which Merry you're talking about. Now, I don't know if you've run into this and noticed this. It gets very confusing when you're reading the New Testament because there's so many Marys. And we're not talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus, today. We're talking about Mary, the sister of Martha, if you're familiar with that story. If you're not, you will be in a little bit. So even as you're reading about the resurrection scene and the crucifixion scene of Jesus, there are all these Marys, which I find fascinating. It's like, whoa, if you were to make this story up, you wouldn't put so many Marys. And this is a real event that is being described. So have a Merry Christmas. What I mean by that is, where we're going with this, is that have a Merry Christmas as opposed to a Martha Christmas, And if you're already tracking with me, great. If you're not, you will in a moment. Mary and Martha had a party. They're hosting it for Jesus. And in that party, as they're hosting it for Jesus, Mary had it right, and Martha was distracted. And that's what we're going to learn. So let's jump into the story right off as we see that this take place. And so Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38, reads this way. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what 
he said. But Martha was distracted. That's the key word. Martha was distracted by all of the preparations that had to be made. So let's just pause there before we continue the story, because that seems really relevant, even though they're not having a Christmas party. They're having a party about Jesus. Isn't a Christmas party about Jesus? I mean, we're celebrating the Christ of Christmas, and it's supposed to be a party about Jesus, and there's so many preparations that go with it. And Martha was all about the preparations. But Mary was all about the person of the party, not the party of the person. And so we need to have a Merry Christmas and not be about the party of the person, but be about the person of the party. And there is a huge difference there. And so we're going to try to figure out what that difference is. So, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You know, when, he, when the Lord uses your name twice, you, you probably ought to listen. But when the Lord uses your name twice, it's probably not as bad as you're thinking it is. There's love here. You know, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So Martha wants to take Mary away from the riveting attention he's, she's giving to Jesus, where she's at the feet of Jesus, riveted to his every word just soaking it all in. She's all about the person of the party, and she just can't, can't get enough. And then there's Martha. She's all about the party of the person. Can you just give me some help, Jesus? She's just giving you all attention and leaving me all alone in the kitchen. Send her my direction. Please, please, Martha, Martha. You're so distracted. Now, let's not lose something that's incredibly powerful in this passage. Jesus makes an audacious claim. There's only a few things that are really, really important. In fact, only one. And he's claiming to be that only one important thing. Wow. Who has the audacity to say, there's really only one reason that's all important, and Mary picked it, it's me. <laughs> I mean, who has the audacity to say that? But Jesus knows precisely who he is. He is the Son of God. He came from the glory of being God himself in all power to enter into the world as an infant human being to reverse what the first Adam messed up, so he comes as the second Adam as a man. And he's going to reverse the curse and make it possible in what he has done for all things to be fixed. Wow. 
Now, of course, all of that's not packed into that statement where you can untangle it and see it all. You have to see the rest to see it all, but just hold the phone or something. Hold the scroll. <laughs> that Jesus is saying, this is the most important thing that she gets me, that she's focused on me, that her life is about me. Now, we're going to see this in more detail, and so I'm very excited about this message, particularly in a prime season like this when we're pulled off track, off away from the person in the cultural Christmas that's so filled with all kinds of distractions away from the person of the party, right? And we can get so busy and so hung up and so stressed out and so family, oh man, I'm not looking forward to Christmas Day. They're all going to be together, you know, right? Well, that's just a distraction. Uh, So we need to jump into the middle of what that means and what we can learn from it. So let's go to the key word again, verse 40 on the screen. I actually give you the Greek. See all that squiggly, squiggly stuff there? That's the Greek word. It only shows up one time in the New Testament, and this word is translated from that word. And so I wanted to go to the Greek because you might assume distracted means And this is how I look at the English word. I'm going on a track. It's an important track. And now I'm distracted away from that track. Now I'm off that track. I'm distracted away from that track. Now even how that happens, really there's all kinds of distractions. There's the kind of person that never focuses on anything. So they're not really on a track. What is that? And what is that? And they're distracted by anything, right? A shallow, distracted by anything kind of person. I usually don't have that problem. I have this hyper-focused distraction And so in the moment when somebody important or somebody that needs me is right there, I'm in this hyper-focused, I got this dazed look like, are you listening to me? That's a distraction. So you could have a focused distraction or a lack of focused distraction and you're off track. But this word, I'll say it for you, perispao, perispao, is a little bit a little bit more nuanced than simply taken off track. It's two parts to the word. Spao means draw. Peri means circle. To be drawn away. To be drawn away. There's this passiveness in this thing. You are so distracted. You're drawn away and circling around this one thing. You're fixated on the party. That's Martha. She's got this list and everything's going at once. She needs more help. She's totally focused on and circling around, making this party super. We need Martha's, we really do, to make the great parties. But be careful of your fixation because eventually you're not just drawn by the distraction, you're actively participating in the distraction and you are drawing. You're circling around this distraction and you are totally fixated on a distraction. So Perry around, like perimeter, periphery, when you start actively getting drawn away by this thing that's drawing you, drawing you all around every which way, and then you say, yes, but I like this distraction, you start circling around this distraction, now you're fixated 
on something that has pulled you away from the one thing which is important. It's the wrong center. I've been um, hanging on to this concept and mulling this concept over for a couple of years now, actually including it in my prayers, where I say, Lord Jesus, you are the only fixation that actually fixes Because I know about my own life and my own fixations that I get drawn away to a fixation and I start circling around and circling around something else that I feel like is going to make me feel a little bit better. It's going to add a little bit of life. It's going to be kind of a good thing. So I circle around this thing, but Jesus says, okay, every other fixation, if you're fixated on that, is pulling your soul apart. There's only one fixation that pulls your soul together. But it's a good thing. Oh, it might be a good thing at first. But as it distracts you and pulls you and you're actively circling around that thing that isn't the one thing, it is pulling you away from the one thing. And this is kind of a big deal. Paris bow. To be drawn around something, hence to be drawn away. Distracted. It means to be over-occupied by the thing you're drawn around. So let's focus on that concept before we move on. Here's a reflect for you. Often, the most difficult choices aren't between good and bad, but between good and best. Martha wasn't choosing a bad thing. She was choosing a good thing. The problem was she let the best thing go and was fixated on a good thing. There's the danger. And when you're fixated on a good thing and you think this is a better way of life, this is what's adding life, this is what feels like life to me, and now your fixation is there, and you start actively circling around the wrong center, your soul is becoming fragmented because it's not whole and held together and being fixed and made whole by centering on the right center, which is Jesus. So when you aren't feeling attraction toward God, a good question to ask yourself is, what good thing have I made central while neglecting the best thing? Let me slow that down. All of us who are walking with God, we live in a very distracted world, and we're making choices all the time, and if you're anything like me, you go through this period of time where you're feeling like, I'm just... I'm not as bubbly, not as passionate, not as excited, not as feeling like I'm just, hoo-hoo, life, I'm flying, close to God, firing on all cylinders. And if you were to describe your attraction and your love with God, it's kind of like flat, just eh. Well, when you get there, ask yourself this question, what good thing have I begun to circle around that's caused me to neglect the one thing? The best thing, the love for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's huge. And Jesus claims to be a better way of life than every other good thing you might fixate on. That, my friends, all by itself, will preach and preach and preach and cause you to come back to center. I'm just not feeling all that excited about life. Things are just sort of all fragmented. I really don't know where I am. All right, what are you circling around? Let's bring ourselves back to center and pour our attention into the Lord Jesus Christ. Point number two, 
The devil doesn't need to destroy you if he can distract you. He doesn't need to uh, destroy you if he can distract you. And I can guarantee at the beginning, he's not going to distract you with the very, very awful bad. Because you'll, be, you'll just want to stick out your tongue and go, gross. He'll take you to something good and take you a little bit further into that in a bad way as you neglect that which is best. So where I want to go now is really exciting to me. Um, I hope it kind of connects with you too. I'm going to go into relationship principles, particularly intimate relationship principles that really work to raise that level of attraction so that your important relationships actually grow in attraction towards each other. Maybe you've seen it. You've seen it at a restaurant where a couple, aww, they're either newly married or brand new dating or honeymoon because, man, they're just, they're sharing the same cup and they're just staring at each other. It's just, this is attraction. It's like this magnetism that's right there. And you've seen the other thing too. A couple's there. They each got their thing. They've not looked at each other and they're both texting somebody else. It's like somewhere else, you know, checking their stuff. And it's like, wow, attraction level really high. How long have you been together? Forever. It's like, oh, hope we don't have a forever like that. Right? So here's some principles as it relates to relationship. Attraction is strengthened by attentiveness. Distraction is inattentiveness. Distraction weakens attraction. It's true of intimate relationships of any kind. And so it's true of your intimate relationship with God, which is what God desires from you. Okay? It's true of that too. And where I'd like to go is a passage that maybe we wouldn't think of it in these terms. In Proverbs, there's some wisdom. This attraction principle is built into the wise sayings that are there in Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to take a look at a few of these. Chapter 4, verse 5, get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. And here's the picture if I wasn't thinking in terms of attraction and distraction, the picture, it seems like the person is actively chosen to ignore God, actively chosen to just reject God as if, you know, I don't really have anything to do with your word anymore. That's not how it usually goes down. It usually goes down like an inattentiveness where another attraction becomes more attractive because of your attentiveness, you're circling around another attraction And as you're attentive, circling around another attraction, that attraction diminishes in power and its magnetism, and you feel less attraction, and God feels it too. We skip down to verse 25, and we read this in Proverbs 4. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet, and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Now, there was a bunch of underlines in that section, but it's all spread out. So I'm going to put the three phrases that I underlined all together, and I want you to repeat after me. Ready? Fix your gaze. Try it again. Fix your gaze. Give careful thought. Do not turn. I want you to understand that he's talking about your life. Now, our church is all about from wherever you are, helping you from wherever you are. By the way, where are you? I can guarantee this, wherever you are, that's where you are, even if you know it. 
Even if you don't know it, you're wherever you are. Okay? So we are, we're, our whole purpose is to help you from wherever you are, even if you don't know where you are, move from where you are to where God wants you to be. And a lot of people, when they hear that, they think, oh, I would like that, because they think where God wants them to be is where they want to be. And a lot of times, no, where they really want to be is totally distracted. And, as, and they're distracted by the other thing they're circling around. They're thinking, I want God to bless me as I do this. And everything we read there says, fix your gaze. Not fix your gaze there. Fix your gaze there on where God wants me to be. See, even Jesus, when he came to earth as a human being, he prayed this very strange prayer that we can't wrap our minds around because he's the son of God. He says, not my will be done, but your will be done. And he has no sin in his life. But he prays a prayer that we need to learn how to pray because he recognizes as a human being inside our dangerous desires that might fixate on something other than what God wants in his will for us. So even Jesus is praying, and he prayed that before going to the cross. He didn't want to go to the cross. He didn't want to experience separation from God for us. He'd never been separated from his heavenly father before. And that was a horrifying thought. Nevertheless, not my will be done to be spared of that cup. If there's any other way, show me. But not my will. He's hoping for any other way. Your will be done. He takes the cup and drinks it all the way down to the dregs that experiences suffering on our behalf so that we can experience a path where we can fix our gaze on God and through the help of the saving Savior, walk in steps to where God's will is played out in a beautiful, beautiful life. Give careful thought to your path. A lot of us, wherever we are, we're not thinking about where our path is leading. We're just circling around a good thing that makes us feel good temporarily. We don't think in terms of paths. We don't think in terms of eternity. We just like this, and we like this, and we like this, and we like this, and God is left out of our focused attention. Do not turn from this focused attention. So, focused attention from wherever we are is absolutely required to make any progress to where God wants us to be. Inattentiveness and distraction by default makes it so you stop growing. Period. You cannot grow from wherever you are to where God wants you to be while distracted. Period. Absolute statement. Wow. In order to grow from wherever you are to where God wants you to be, you have to focus there. Well, this is true for believers who already accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and their spiritual life in them. It's true for those who don't know anything about that and maybe don't believe in Jesus and don't believe that God exists. They're not going to move there either while circling around a distraction. You might be thinking, there's no hope for them. They don't even believe God exists. Here's my hope for them. God is a personal God. They don't even know that God is a personal God. If you don't believe in that God, it doesn't mean you're stuck. You don't know a stranger. 
If you don't know a stranger, what do you do if you want to know if a stranger is somebody you can believe in? You have interactions with a stranger. Now, you may not believe in that stranger yet, but if you have interactions with them to see if that stranger is somebody you want to trust later and have more of an acquaintance relationship than moving to a friendship relationship, God is a personal God who revealed you can do that with him too. And so there's something you can do even if you're not sure you believe in him. You can treat God, who is a stranger to you now, as somebody that you test to see if what he says fits with your reality. And you begin to live out the reality he says to see if it's real. And then you start to see him now as acquaintance and then as friend. And eventually I would urge you to see him as savior because only when you say, oh wow, I need you, then he gives you spiritual life from there. And he can take you to where he wants you to be. I play uh, a game with little children. It's been a while since I played this with my grandchildren, but it's kind of a fun game. It doesn't really have a name, but I call it Blink. And just in case you don't have grandchildren, you can just still play Blink. Uh, I was playing Blink with a little child. Um, child didn't know I was playing Blink. I just got their attention, and they were looking over mom's shoulder and waving and smiled. That kid had riveted attention, smiling at me, and was not going to blink. Kids have good attention. They have to learn inattention. They actually have good attention. The littler they are, the better attention they have. It's like they don't even blink. They just stare. And, you just, and it's like, oh, I'm going to blink first. But if you play the game, even the older kids, man, you, especially if you use a clock, let's see who blinks first, you know? They'll just stare at you and stare at you and stare at you, and they have great concentration. Adults are the ones that are troubled. We are so distracted. It's like, have you noticed this? I mean, I'll just ask a few questions. Are you, have you, put it this way, how many of you noticed that the older movies are longer movies than the newer movies? Generally speaking, some of the newer movies, they're long too, but mostly speaking, the older movies are longer. Did you recognize that? Okay, they used to hold our attention. Movies are now shorter, okay? Now, I don't know about you, do you pick... Have you noticed that older movies are slower? <laughs> All right. And then the newer movies are faster, faster, faster. And which movies do you like to pick? I'll tell you which ones I like to pick. Newer. If I see it's 1960-something, it better be a classic, or I'm just going to go, ah, snoozer. I'm going to go to the newer ones. Oh, this one's 2003. Forget it. 2019. <laughs> it's like, ooh, get my attention and keep my attention. And we're living in that world. How many of you remember Reader's Digest? Ooh. You know why we liked it? It took all that stuff and condensed it down so you could just have a little bit and get it. Yay! And we read, read, read. I'm not reading Reader's Digest anymore. I need it faster. I need a sound bite, a video clip. Get my attention. Ooh. Even news is competing for our attention. I've, wait, I used to think it was news. Now they want us to get engaged, angry, so we'll do something, and then we'll watch the next one. And then it just sort of numbs you. Here's the problem with that. I think our attention as a culture is just sinking and sinking and sinking. Even a person that's trying to be very attentive to God, I now have the attention span of a minnow. <laughs> I'm like, and I have, I have this focus. It's like, ooh, I'm focused on this, ooh but I need to focus on that too. And you know why that is? My inbox is so full. And then, I'm not doing social media, but you're, 
you got all these feeds. Like words, 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 videos, videos, videos. So you're like a minnow. It's like, I'm gonna whoo, 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 whoo. And now it's okay until you treat God as a minnow treats God. You give a little minnow glance, there's God. <laughs> right? Uh, so here's a little bit to get at that. We take only a passing Godward glance, then, like a minnow, we dart away into the shadows. We are so distracted, we don't even notice our inattentiveness, but God notices. Everything around us that has been made has design. Everything cries out, God made me, God made me. Look at this design, look at the awe, look at the wonder, isn't it great? And we go, (sighs) and it's like God is left out in the dust as we circle, 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 circle around what we think is good that gives us a little, in life, and it isn't God. Point number three, we need to choose better. Choose what is better. This is Jesus' words, Mary has chosen what is better, Luke 10, 42. Mary has chosen what is better. She wasn't living like a minnow. She was riveted, listening, Engaged, soaking it in, pondering and pondering and pondering. (laughs) All right, so point number one, if you want to choose the better, focus on the important. Now, if something is important, it lasts. People last. People are eternal souls, either eternally with God or because they reject him, eternally apart from God. And God is calling us to be for him. He's important. Relationships are important. And so he brings a person into our life. They could be a stranger, but now they've crossed paths and now they're a neighbor. And we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. And yet I feel so stuck in my focused world of all this swirling on in there, I give my neighbor not even a minnow's glance. I act like they're not even a person. And yet they're the most glorious being on the planet, created in the image of God, and maybe they don't know God yet. And then I'm looking at the glory of God, everything points to him, and I'm yawning. I'm circling around the wrong things, and I need to focus on the important. Here's a quote that I just want you to read with me. You don't need to read it out loud. In a distracted, outraged, shallow culture, people hunger for something rare, the focused, whole, and caring person. When people meet someone like that, they are drawn to that person. They are regarded as rare, kind, and caring person who lives at a deeper level than the surface. There's a movie that just came out. We went and saw it. I wasn't into Mr. Rogers, but the movie is well worth seeing. Um, it's about Mr. Rogers. I forget, the t- forget what the title was. And he's played by Tom Hanks. And it just gives you a riveting view of a rare person who his stage people were frustrated at him because he treated people as more important than his tasks. 
He treated the child who was broken as more important than getting this TV thing produced within the time frame. He treated the, the antagonistic journalist as somebody important enough to give his time to and listen to. And the journalist thought, he's like an alien. He's like for real. So it's worth seeing. And I would like to be more attentive in those moments. It's a good example. Want a better example? Spend time with Jesus. Because I find that the more I try to be an attentive person, I'm going to be loving, I'm going to be caring, I'm going to be whole, the more I fail. But if I spend time with Jesus and circling around him, circling around him, asking him to fill me and cause me to be the kind of person that's like him. My heart starts to beat more like his heart. My actions start to be filled with a supernaturalness that it's perceived as natural, but not by me. It's like, that's so unlike me. and just kind of came through me. And I want to live there. Spend time with Jesus. So point number two, go deeper. Do what's important. Go deeper. Deeper is the answer to our shallow world. Our shallow attractions go deeper. And this isn't just for me as a preacher where you would like me to go deeper. This is true of all of us. We need to go deeper. Not just this minnow's glance, but pondering, expanding our attention span. So I'm going to make some suggestions. We're going to make them rapid fire. Suggestions. Listen to Jesus. Make Jesus your center. Listen attentively to his text messages. This is what I'm talking about here. When you are close and quiet, you will also hear him whisper. And these will be personal messages for you. But you have to get close and you have to get quiet. Then let going deep get simple. Do what he says. Because you will get stuck in the path and be derailed if you won't do what he says. All right? Just for memory's sake, would you say these out loud with me? Ready? Listen to Jesus. Make Jesus your center. Listen attentively to his text messages. When you are close and quiet, you will also hear him whisper. Then let going deep get simple. Do what he says. Even if Jesus seems like a stranger to you, you will get to know him if you will do this. So I encourage you, don't walk away from here going, I like that one. No, that's not what I want. I want you to walk away from here and decide, what am I going to do about this this week? How am I going to not turn away, ponder my path, and fix my eyes on Jesus? Would you pray with me? Lord God, we are so distracted, we're swimming in it. We're swimming in a current of distraction and we need you and we need to go deeper into you. We need to fix our eyes on you and we can't do this alone. We ask you to draw us. We ask you by your spirit to fill us. We ask you to bring us to that place where we recognize you're the answer. Lord Jesus, we want more of you because we know you bring life to the full. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you have a prayer need today, whoa, uh, let the lights come on. <laughs> let the prayer carry your need. We've got a prayer team to the right of the stage. I hope you'll make sure you take advantage of that. I hope to see you back for next week, letting go of bitterness, which is quite a distraction, by the way. Letting go of bitterness.